Okay, welcome back. Another episode of Talking Balls. I got three hosts with me tonight. JJ top left, Cobell bottom left, and Derek bottom right. Um, so we got a good episode. Just a couple things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about college football, and we're also going to talk about NFL. Um, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Just one housekeeping item I would like to talk about before we get into the nitty gritty, if you don't mind. Um, we did a giveaway last week. If you guys remember, we're giving away a shirt. Okay. And we're also giving away a little sticker. You can put that on whatever you want. Um, so can I have a drum roll, please? That was a weak ass drum roll. Anyway, winner is space underscore Casey three. So Sean Casey, congratulations. Um, I think Derek knows you. I know you as well. Appreciate the support for the pod. Um, congratulations on winning the giveaway and we are going to be sliding right in your DMS to get all your info, to be able to mail you this stuff. Um, so look out for that and congratulations. So I have JJ with me and we're going to talk about college football and I have Derek and I have Cobell. Uh, how are you guys? Talk to me. What's good. Doing good, good man. It's good stuff. JJ, you just started your own little podcast, didn't you? I did, man. It's about time. I've been wanting to do it for a while and uh, had a number of people talk to me about doing it. And I want to say I've been doing a lot of the podcasts as a joining podcast for like the past like three or four months. And then people really just told me to like, just get it going. And I ended up starting it. Really, I uploaded my first video, I want to say like, like beginning of, yeah, beginning of this week. Yeah, I watched it actually. It was good. And uh, What's the name? Talking college football with JJ Kitchen. Come on. There you go. I mean, listen, I don't follow college football like that. This is only the second time we're going to be talking about it. Both times I've had JJ on the pod to uh, as reinforcements as to not let me mess up. <laughs> so he's the guy. Uh, he's one of my college football guys. I got another one who refuses to come on the pod. His name will not be mentioned. But we, <laughs> we got we got JJ here. He knows his stuff. Diehard Pitt fan. I know your your channel is a little bit geared towards the Panthers. So if you mm-hmm. do you do like Pitt as well, that's a great channel for you. Give it a like, give it a subscription. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So, JJ, why are we here? We're here because this last time I spoke to you, we were going over the college football season, who we thought would end up where, which teams we thought would be good, any surprises, this and that. Um, pretty much for the most part, I think a lot of what we talked about can be thrown out the window because the season has been absolutely crazy. It's putting um, it lightly. As it's, yeah, that is putting it lightly. <laughs> I mean, I think this was the first week and I don't know how many where the majority of the top 10 teams didn't get upset. Uh, I think only one of them lost this week, which was Oregon. So shout out to Oregon being the lone dog who took the L in the top 10. But as it sits right now, we got Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan number three, and TCU number four. Uh, all of those teams pretty much steamrolled their matchups this week. TCU had a good win over Texas. Uh, they were heavy underdogs, but they pulled it out. That was a nice win for them. Um but one thing I want to talk about, we could start off. I want to talk about Alabama because um, you and I, obviously, and for good reason, were very high on them in the preseason. Um, they're sitting here at eight and two, number eight spot in the the uh, AP top 25 rankings with two losses. So I want to ask you, JJ, what do you think? What's the chances and what scenario can you see them actually getting back into the college football playoff? Because right now, I think they're clearly on the outside looking in at this thing. Yeah, so at this point, they're going to need a lot of help because, one, they've never had – the college football playoff has never had a college football team 
enter the playoff with two or more losses. So that's already going against them. No matter who it is, they can say they're Alabama. They can say they're having a tough schedule. Um, In my opinion, I think that's a really down year for the, for the sec at this point. Um, You know, your Vanderbilt's of the world are just really bad. Texas A&M couldn't beat the blind school. Um, You know, Arkansas, they're not very good. And then, you know, they have two losses, you know, to LSU. LSU, they lost 32-31 in the the waning seconds, obviously, with a uh, two-point conversion. But then they also have a loss to Tennessee. Now, I understand Tennessee's a really good team, but what you saw in that game was an Alabama defense that couldn't figure anything out. What happened is, is that Tennessee really spread them out. Tennessee's well known for their offense of putting really their wide receivers on an island with their with their any anybody's cornerbacks. Um, when Tennessee came to Pitt, went to that game, they did the exact same thing. They, they get the guys all the way on the outside. They're putting guys one on one, creating separation, um, and they're running an up tempo office. And you watched Alabama really struggle with that. You know, give up fifty two points to Tennessee. You know, which I was kind of shocked. You know, when Tennessee came here, you know. Pitt, they only gave up 27 points in regulation, ended up losing in overtime by a touchdown, but was really shocked to see that. I think that this team, you know, in reality, a lot of it has to do with the, you know, schematically what they were doing. They just couldn't adjust. But I think the players, just the coaching in general, the players didn't know what to do. You know, Tennessee, especially in that last, that really that fourth quarter, they started going from the wide sets where they were really starting to really just get some fluency, but Alabama started to catch on a little bit. They were still struggling, but then Tennessee goes to an I formation. Nobody, and even Al- and even Nick Saban said after the game, nobody knew what to do. You know, mm-hmm. so you're you're watching the confusion on the field. Guys are in the wrong assignments, um, especially alignments. Alignments are so important when you're playing, especially like Alabama's defense, the Pitt's defense, uh, Georgia's defense. Alabama and Georgia are really the same thing. They're going to put their guys on an island. They're going to play cover two over the top. You're going to have guys, especially one-on-one, and they got to win their matchups. If they don't win their matchups, it's going to be you're going to be in for a long day. And in in that aspect, Tennessee really just ran it up all day. You know, um, LSU really didn't. They turned it on towards the end, and they got you know they got a good couple bounces their way. But um, overall, Alabama is not a team right now that I even have in my top six at this point. I think that for them to get to that, um, to get into that top six in the college football playoff, might disagree with me. Um, you know. Two losses is two losses. You know what I mean? I don't care yeah. if you're in the, the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or the ACC, uh, Big 10, doesn't matter. I think that's a that's a major uh, stepping point to where they have to – they need a lot of help. And I think right. that and more I than think, likely I they think, won't get it. Yeah, I think to your point of the two losses, like we've seen the committee put Alabama in that top four with one loss over teams that have no losses. So we know yeah. Alabama, that name holds some weight. But with two losses, like you're saying, regardless of what conference you're in, your chances are slim. And I don't think they're getting in either. Um, Let me ask you one thing. You kind of mentioned it about how schematically they were falling behind Tennessee and they couldn't keep up. But Alabama, Nick Saban is kind of like that guy in college football where he has his own coaching tree, where his his coaches underneath him, his assistant coaches, his offensive and defensive coordinators, usually if they perform well, they will go on to be head coaches elsewhere. Do you Mm -hmm. think the fact that they have such a – revolving door at those two spots could have anything to do with the fact that they have a lack of rhythm on offense and defense could be but in my opinion i'm going to say no because even when you know look at lane kiffin lane kiffin took a job at boca down in boca with uh, fau and they had steve sarkeesian come in and they, they went to they went to the national championship next year he's a guy that he has a certain amount of 
uh, consistency about him. He runs his program the right way um, mm-hmm. in terms of, hey, if there's turnover, it's not going to matter. They're going to they're going to be coached a certain way. They're going to be pushed a certain way. And his players know it. I think this year that he's just got some really dog shit coordinators. I think Bill O'Brien's really overrated. He'll yeah. probably get a job somewhere and, and be able to be mediocre there. You know, he's just not a guy that's been well known to to put up elite offenses. You know, he, when he was at Penn State, the last time he was in college football was at Penn State. He had a had a decent first year. You know, he, he developed Christian Hackenberg that first year. We know Christian Hackenberg went on to do nothing after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, Bill O'Brien goes to the NFL has a couple good seasons with Houston, but then really struggles after that. His offense struggles. Um, goes to Alabama. He's really struggled there. And with that amount of talent, when you got Bryce Young, who's a Heisman, he's a Heisman front runner. Um, yeah. In my opinion, I think really, in my opinion, I think Drake May is a better quarterback, to be quite honest with you, at a UNC. I think that kid's playing lights out right now. But overall, with the amount of talent you have on that team, that probably the most talent of any team in the country, you shouldn't be struggling like that. And he can't get the run game going. I think he's running concepts, especially the zone blocking scheme he's running. He clearly can't get guys on the same page. If I if I had to bet, Alabama's not going to make the college football playoff, and they're going to really ditch a lot of those guys on that staff and go with different guys that, that fit the mold of you know, hey, we're getting you know our our goal is eleven or more wins a season. You know, I think that they're right. they're in for a long run with Georgia. Kirby Smart's going to be up their tail for a while, so it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, um, look. They've had a good run as top dog in the SEC and is in college football. It's it, maybe it's time for someone new. Who knows? Um, but let's get into the next thing. All right. You kind of alluded to it already. You said you had Alabama outside your top six. So if you could rip through your top six for me, JJ, let me hear what you got. And then I'll give you mine if you don't mind. Yeah. So uh, number one, I think it's pretty easy that they are the best team in the country. There's really no question about it. And that's Georgia. Georgia has been efficient. They've uh, their defense has been efficient. They've had a couple slip up as, you know, against Kent state, that game was close. And then Missouri was a close game too. They had two really close ones, but Georgia's Georgia. I don't see that changing. Number two, this is going to surprise some people, but I think they've been consistent. You know, they had a, you know, they had a weak schedule, but you can't blame them. You know, it's, it's who it's on their schedule. Uh, you, you can't blame them for it. They take care of business and they've been beating people handily. And that's Michigan. I got Michigan at number two. Uh, mm-hmm. They're really good at running the football. They're consistent with it. Pass game can be more desired for, but I think that with their run game and their physicalness up front, they'll be able to, to, to keep moving forward. Number three, I got TCU out of the big 12. Can't penalize a team for having, you know, they, they technically they have the most, um, I think it's four or five ranked wins this year. Those teams that they faced maybe shouldn't have been ranked. I think that there's a lot of teams right now that were ranked that shouldn't have been ranked at the beginning of the season. But, right. the, you know, hey, Sonny Dykes came from SMU his first year there. He's, you know, his offense is lighting it up. Um, you know, they faced Texas last week, shut down Texas and made them look, you know, horrendous, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I have them at number three. And then number four, I got Ohio State. Ohio State's a, uh, a team that, again, they're undefeated. I think they've had a, too many close games, and it's not just you know, one or two. You know, when you face a one in nine Northwestern team and you win by 14, you got to really think about what you're doing. You know, I think they're on a, they're on the bubble a little bit. They can't lose a game. And I think they will lose a game to Michigan when that time gets there. But number five, I got Tennessee still there. They got one loss. It's, it's to Georgia. You know, Hey, you lose the number one team in the country. You can't really be penalized for it. I think you drop out of the top four because you do have a loss. The other teams are undefeated. Um, and then number six, I have Clemson still, I think Clemson's still there. Their offense is more desired, you know, to put them there. They're not as good. Especially this year with DJ, you know, I don't think Dabo Sweeney did a good job keeping that guy there. That Cade uh, Klobuchuk uh, should be the starting quarterback for sure, I think, and, and watching that kid play. 
but their offense will struggle a little bit here and there, but their defense is stout. I mean, they got at least six or seven guys in their defense going to the NFL between the first yep. two rounds. So I'm definitely put them at number six. Yeah. Which is something Clemson always leans on. You think about even the years with Deshaun Watson, they've always had a stout front line edge rushers yeah. who can get to the quarterback. So that's kind of what Clemson can always lean on. Even when DJ's playing shaky at quarterback, they have that defense that they can lean back on to put the clamps on the on the opposing offense. Um, I like that top six. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think it's pretty fair given what teams have done and uh, the weights that we can see uh, uh, each conference hold. But my top six real quick, I got Georgia number one. Obviously, I think clear-cut favorite uh, in one of, if not the best conferences in all of college football. So they're clear number one to me. Number two, I have Ohio State, again, just because, like you said, they did have a couple of close games, but they also have a handful of blowouts where they did look like that championship uh, caliber team. So mm-hmm. I like Ohio State at number two. Number three, I'm just going to play, you know, have a little fun here as the committee chairman, and I'm going to put Tennessee at number three just so I can have a Big Ten SEC matchup in the college football semifinal. And number four, I'm going to have Michigan. So I got Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Michigan rounding out my top four. We get two matchups of SEC Big Ten, the top two teams from each one going head-to-head, and then we get the winners of those in the championship. Right outside, number five, I have TCU. We mentioned it. They had a great win over Texas this past week. I don't think they're frauds. I just have them outside the top four because of the conference that they play in. I just don't think it's as strong as the Big Ten or the SEC. And number six, um, I'm going to go with USC just because I like them. I think they're an explosive offense. If they can win out and win the Pac-12 and other teams can lose in front of them, maybe they slip in there and have some fun. Um, But right after them, I'm going to give you an extra one, a bonus team, number seven, Clemson, just because you spoke about them and I like them too. DJ has been playing very well, um, but he's been playing a lot better than last year. And he has had games where he has led this offense to a victory. So I do like Clemson right there outside the bubble very capable to get inside and make some noise in the college football playoff. The good list. Yeah, pretty good. Um, The season has been bonkers and it's only going to get even more crazy as we get into rivalry weekend and all these uh, championship games and bowl season. So stay tuned. We'll talk about it some more. Um, But before I let you go, JJ, I got one more topic. Um, This is something I think you wanted to uh, address rather. So there's a few schools, um, two of them of which more maybe have more history with college football than the other one you got nebraska georgia tech and auburn all going to be looking for head coaches for the upcoming season nebraska and auburn are both programs where they're kind of tradition you know they've been in college football uh a long time and their fan bases expect to win especially auburn in the sec all of those fan bases are die hard nebraska also in the big, big 10 expects to be competing for the big 10 title and they have not been there in some time so who do you think We'll start with Nebraska. Who do you think is the best hire for them going forward to try and compete with the top dogs like Ohio State and Michigan? Because right now they are way behind those two teams. Yeah, so I think, you know, Nebraska is really in a tough spot. You know, you look at the geographical portion of where they're at. um, Certainly there's no prospects up there. You know, it's really hard to recruit. You have to go out of the state uh, and especially just down south where you're hitting really the, the, you know, the Virginias, the Carolinas, the Georgias, Floridas, Texas, you got to really just really adventure around to get those guys to leave those places and come up to up North. You know, I think Scott Frost did a decent job by getting those guys. I just don't think he developed them. And the system that was there was just not, it was not plausible for those guys to succeed. And plus they had multiple issues with culture issues, things of that nature. And 
I think that one of the themes that you'll see between Nebraska and uh, Auburn is that one, it, it takes, it's like, a, it's like an organization in the national football league. You got to start from the top and go to the bottom, you know, in the national football league, you need your owner, you need your GM, you need your coach at the, at the college level, you need your chancellor, you need your athletic director, you need your coach all on the same page. If they're not on the same page, you're more than likely not going to succeed. Nebraska, they have, I, they have the chancellor because they want to they want to be successful in football. They're in the Big Ten. They're going to get all kinds of money. That's good. But I think when it gets down to actually finding the right guy that fits the mold in that area, because Nebraska has one of the most loyal, if not the most loyal fan base. That team could be 0-10, and they'll still pack that place. Yeah, they're Hell, showing up. All those guys, even the, the possibility of losing to Northwestern week one, about 50%, 60% of that fan base was Nebraska fans. They spent 10 grand to go over to Ireland to watch them play. I got news for you. I'm a huge Pitt fan. I'm not going to Ireland to watch Pitt play. I got news for you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I love our soil here. It looks really good and it feels good. But the, the, the fact that, you know, they go over there to watch their team play is unbelievable. But right. if I'm them, um, one of the first guys I'm calling is in their conference. And it's Brett Bielma out of Illinois. What he's done at Illinois this year, Illinois ranked, you know, for the first time in about 10, 15 years. I mean, Illinois is a city school in the Big Ten that's not notoriously known for being very good. They're not – they're a team that's usually in the middle of the road or towards the bottom. Um, you know, last year, heck, I remember yeah, when they – safe to say that they're not a football school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Last year, they couldn't even pass the ball. They ran the ball consistently. They ran – I think their, their big win was against, was against Penn State when they rushed for 400 yards. Yeah. How Penn State couldn't stop that is still the, the wonder of the world, but that's Penn State. You know what I mean? But – Overall, their number one guy, I think, really should be Brett Bielma because he's done a hell of a job. He was a, did a hell of a job at Wisconsin before he went to Arkansas. He just couldn't do it at Arkansas. It's a, that's a tough place to win. Um, but I would take a look at him, number one. Number two, I'd be taking a look at um, uh, Mark Stoops out of Kentucky. You know, Mark, right now, I, I would say about a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't be sure if he'd leave. But after that loss, he just had to Vanderbilt. I think half the fans want to kill him there, so he's probably best getting out of there. Um, you know, I think he's more leeway to where he can get a whole brand new start in a place like Nebraska. You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure, but at least he's actually had some success at Kentucky where he's actually built that program where they've had some decent amount of success. They've had nine win seasons. They've had 10 win seasons. And we all know, no matter what they say, Kentucky's a basketball school. That's Calipari, yeah. you know, Calipari, that's yeah. his land. So, you know, he, when you have success at Kentucky where it's a basketball school, you got to give that guy a look. And then, um, Number three, I think that if they're lucky and they really want to venture out and a guy that's you know, potentially not in the power five ranks, I think they ought to take a look at Jamie Chadwell out of Coastal Carolina. That guy's proven to recruit at a number of different places. He's done well at Coastal Carolina. He's beaten teams that are in the power five. Um, you got to give that guy a look eventually. He's going to jump somewhere. I'm kind of surprised that South Carolina didn't give him a shot. You know, they went with Beamer Ball, and he's done okay to this point. Uh, we'll see how that lands. But I, those are my three guys towards Nebraska. Towards Auburn, I think it's a whole different ball game when you get to Auburn just because a little bit more money, a little bit more bigger fan base. Um, right. you know, too many of their donors are involved. I know that for a fact. Their, their donors are involved in who gets hired, which is consistently why they hire the wrong guy all the time. I think they'll never figure it out, to be quite honest with you. They'll, they'll find out to really screw this up. Um, but number one, their first guy they should be looking at in that area um, is Deion Sanders. You know, people don't, you know, Deion Sanders is in, you know, the, uh, What's a uh, historically black college is down there at Jackson State. He's done a hell of a job, brought a lot of notoriety. I think he would do a great job. 
but would they allow him to do what he wants to do? That's the question. I don't know if they will. Number two, I would take a look at Dan Lanning out of Oregon. Dan Lanning was a defensive coordinator last year at Georgia, had a hell of a defense, learned under, under Kirby Smart. And he's a young guy, but he's been through the system really quick. He runs a great defense, same defense as Georgia. You're, you're, you're playing press coverage in a 4-3 system. It's all about pressure, blitzing, packages, deception, everything. I think he's a hell of a coach. I think he'll, he won't be at Oregon very long because I think, you know, the Pac-12 is on the potential verge of collapsing at this point, you know, yeah. especially with teams leaving. Teams and, leaving, you know, yeah. I think, I think the Big 12 is going to grab some teams out of there. And then number three for them, uh, I would take a look at uh, – Tom Herman, who was over at Texas a couple of years ago. I think he didn't right. do that bad of a job, to be quite honest with you. I think Texas is just always looking for that next you know, sweet hire, and they're really struggling now with Steve Sarkeesian with the teams that he's losing to. So those are three guys that I would certainly look at for both of those schools. Different schools, different areas, different guys who can recruit those areas looking for certain players. But um, I think those, those six guys in those two schools would be really interesting. Yeah, those those two programs, they need someone to turn it around. And like you're saying, it does start at the top. Uh, a coach is very important. Can't set a culture without a coach. You need a good mm -hmm. coach. You need players to buy into what they're selling. Um, last school we can talk about, JJ, is Georgia Tech. Uh, they play in the ACC, obviously. So there are some pretty heavy hitting dogs in there. They, it's like mm -hmm. you were talking about before. A lot of good quarterbacks in that league. A lot of high scoring offenses in that league. And also a lot of good defenses. Um, and they are far behind everybody else in the entire conference. So I don't really know who they can, uh, who they can hire to turn it around. That's why you're here. So go ahead and tell us. Yeah. So there's a, um, there's usually like a, uh, a motto for each and every team. And I think for Georgia tech, it's up shit Crick because they're going to have to try to find a team or a guy that wants to take that job. Okay. Paul Johnson <laughs> was a guy that was there, ran the triple option. And, you know, I felt bad. They, they tried going from the triple option to a pro style set because you can't stick with the triple option forever and think you're going to win a lot of games. Um, I think that personally, that's a job that you're going to need to, one, it's going to pay, you know, four or five million dollars a year. There's going to be plenty of people looking to get that job, regardless, right. to at least take a shot and get that money. Um, I think, especially in the ACC, they got to catch up quickly because, you know, you got UNC with Drake May, even last year. You had Kenny Pickett at Pitt was a Heisman finalist. You had Sam Howell, that was really good. Now they got Drake May. Brendan Armstrong was good last year. He's kind of, he's kind of digressed this year under Tony Elliott that came over from Clemson. Um, but you look at the quarterbacks that are through that list. Devin O'Leary is over at NC State. You know, Kate Klobuchuk is over at Clemson. It's just a quarterback-driven conference, and it's going to be just elite just for a long time. Who takes that job? I think it's tough. I think, again, that's Georgia. That's the Atlanta area. You've got a number of great recruits there through there. You can contact Deion Sanders if you want. Um, I think he's not going to take that job. He's looking for a bigger job for sure. Uh, a guy I certainly call is uh, one Jason Candle out of Toledo. He's done a great job over at Toledo. He's, he's recruited well for especially that small area. Toledo has always been a school where they've developed coaches and put them in certain areas where they've been able to be mm -hmm. successful. Uh, number two, if he doesn't get a job in these certain other places, he's looking for a job. I know that because he was fired from Carolina, the Panthers. It's Matt Roll. Matt Roll went into Baylor when they were what, one and eleven. Uh, after that whole entire ordeal they had over there, turns them around in two years. They win the Big Twelve and they go. You know, and they were very competitive, recruited really well. You put that guy in, you know, in the ACC, in the Georgia area, the Atlanta area, the, the metro area. Oh, he kills it. I mean, he would be a tremendous hire there. Um, and after that, it's really up in the air. They they, they might have to dip down. Uh, Jamie Chadwell could be another guy that's there because he's in the coastal Carolina. He's, he, 
that's an easy drive for him from the Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach down to Atlanta. That's not bad at all. Um, but they're going to have to get creative and they're going to have to overpay for that job because what's going to happen is that those coaches will come in with their agents and they're going to come in as hostages. They're going to say, I want four to five years, no matter what guaranteed money. I can't get fired between four, four years or before five years. I need my guys to come in here and create a culture. Whether they do that, I don't know, but they need to take their time, do the right thing and actually vet all these coaches and see what they do. But when you're paying four to $5 million, they'll find someone that's pretty decent. Yeah, one last thing I want to touch on before we wrap this segment up. You talked about Matt Rule. Uh, I'm not going to discount what he did in college football at all because, like you said, he turned around a Baylor program that was suffering from bad publicity. Um, mm-hmm. They were good before that with RG3, but after that little scandal happened, they fell off pretty quickly and they were losing recruits and they were at the bottom of the conference for a couple of years. And like you said, he turned it around very, very quickly. But he was an absolute dud in the NFL with the Panthers. No, No other way around it. I think he just might be, even though it's a small serving or a small sample size rather in the NFL, I think he's just a guy that is a better coach in college, similar to Nick Saban. So send him back somewhere in college. I hope he Mm -hmm. does well there. Um, But JJ, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're about to run. Um, I'll get you back on here soon. We'll talk more college football. And I really appreciate it. I know these other guys appreciate it as well. So thank you, brother. Hey, thank you for having me on. It was great to meet you guys. And uh, Connor, man, you know, you're my guy, dude. I mean, hell, college ball days, we did some really crazy shit. So we won't say <laughs> it on here, but I'll tell you no, what, man, you're my guy. No anytime, anytime you give me a call, I live here in Pittsburgh. If you needed something, I drive the 19 hours in a heart. So love it. You brother. do your thing, kid. Love what you're doing here. Right, right, the great work. Okay, moving right along. Next segment. Now, Tone is not with us. Uh, we're going to go over our NFL bets that we placed last week. So, if you'll allow me. So, Jones bets. Here we go. Bears money line. Uh, they wound up losing that game to the Lions. Close game. Uh, Justin Fields threw a pick six. You could say that was the difference maker in that game as well as Justin Fields has been playing. He may have lost the Bears that game. We don't know. Broncos plus three. Nah. Chiefs over 51. That did not hit. And Dolphins minus three and a half did hit. So, we got one there. Uh, Raiders and Giants plus two and a half teaser did not hit. So unfortunately, I believe that moves Tone's bitch ass teasers to a two and three record overall. Uh, that was on the Raiders, man. They blew that game. They were they had it. Colts came back, played well, but it is what it is. Um, Cobell, would you mind? Go ahead, give us your plays. Yeah, absolutely, bro. So the Dolphins, I told you guys, absolute wagon. I did ride the over because I knew the Browns were going to put up you know a couple touchdowns there. So. Uh, over 49 and a half was cash. The Dolphins almost, you know, 10 points away from covering that themselves. I, Tua and this offense will go into that a little bit later on, but they are absolutely crushing it right now. Uh, next, I added this one late. I thought I was getting a good number with the with uh, Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, took minus six and a half, obviously. And I think that was the game of the year. Uh, the Vikings came back in the second half and looked like a complete different team from that first half. And yeah, that. Crazy, crazy ending. Well, I know we'll get into that, but uh, Titans minus three. Um, Russell Wilson and the Broncos are just not a good football team. So I will, if a number is in between three and seven weekly against them, it's, it's got to be taken. And uh, had the Giants under 40 and a half, and this game landed on 40. So we got uh, wow. saved by the hook. And uh, also, I think the Giants, uh, Karch, we might be meeting in uh, Arizona um, early February. 
I don't hey. know about you, but uh, hey. yeah, three three and one first week on the pod. Uh, probably will go zero and three or one and three next week. So uh, that's know, how, yeah, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, be my guest. Yeah, absolutely. Had six picks. Uh, told you guys, Chiefs under fifty-one was the lock of the week. That obviously yeah. hit it with forty-seven total points. Spread was minus nine and a half. Chiefs. I knew the Chiefs would score. Didn't think the Jags could compete. Uh, they only put up 17, so yeah, 47, so that under hit. Seahawks had them plus two and a half. Well, then such a Seahawks high, always will be. Uh, they lost by five. Had Bears minus two and a half. They lose by one. What a ball game that was. Colts money line, Jeff Saturday. It was a oh, beautiful thing. Good dub for Jeff Saturday. Uh, yep. Easy win there. Uh, Rams minus three. You know, I just hate the Cardinals. So trash program. Yeah, I know that's why you did it. But the Rams suck, man, and they lost that Cooper was, Cup. That was a battle of the mids too. We got the backup quarterbacks later. Yeah, on. that's true. After yeah, it's true. Like you're expecting you're expecting Stafford and Kyler all week, and all of a sudden you're Colt McCoy and I don't even know who the backup is for the the Rams. But yeah, yeah battle of the mids. <laughs> and then last, so we had Chargers over forty five and a half, and we had thirty eight total points. Went two and four on the week. Not good. Luckily for you, in the Excel spreadsheet, it's only money line and spreads. So still negative. Tone went negative. Kobe went positive. I also went positive. Let me rattle them off real quick before we move on. Bears under 49. Um, I just thought everyone was going to be on the over given how well the Bears were playing on offense and the fact that we had seen the Lions put up points. I was like, ah, fuck it. Let me throw the under on there. Uh, it got crushed pretty easy. I think it was like 61 total points, something like that. Jags plus 10, even push. Um, I thought they would be competitive, and I did think it would be a one-score game, so I thought that was going to catch, but I'll take a push. Steelers plus three. I told you last week I felt really good, and it wound up on our best bets uh, sheet as well. Told you to take the money line. Told you to take plus three on Monday when it was there because on Sunday you woke up, it was even, or the Steelers were favored. So – you need to listen to the pod ASAP. You need to get the lines, what I'm trying to tell you, okay? Because I got a great one at plus three there. And then Monday night, took the commies plus 11, okay? Went into Monday night, one, one, and one. So they cashed, gave the Eagles the first loss of the season. Um, two, one, and one for you. Cobell also went positive. DJ and Tone went negative. It is what it is. We gave you a lot of winners, okay? We'll bounce back for week 11. As we do. So next segment now usually we don't do a whole segment on this because it's not that important however this week there were a number of injuries that are going to have both both fantasy implications as well as real life football implications for these teams and i'm talking i got a long list here man uh <laughs> there's at least nine guys no not nine seven guys okay so zach Ertz will start out in arizona now He's not George Kittle. He's not Travis Kelsey. All right. I'm not putting him up there, but in terms of fantasy, he was the third ranked fantasy tight end. So whoever owns him, that's a huge hole in your lineup. Now you're going to have to scramble and try and fill that up. I can offer some advice there. Cole Komet, if he's available in your league, snag him up. I just picked him up and started him for Higby this past week. And that was clutch. So yeah. get Komet if you can. I like him to replace Ertz. Um, and with that being said, the Cardinals need Hollywood Brown back ASAP because Kyler loved Ertz as that little safety valve target along with Hopkins. Now he only has Hopkins. Now defenses only have to worry about Hopkins. So they need Brown to spread that field and open up uh, some running lanes for the running backs and for the wide receivers. 
Next, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker for the Bills. Bills obviously skidding right now a little bit, losing two in a row to the Jets and then the Vikes. Um, and their defense is giving up points, and now they lose kind of that anchor in the middle, Tremaine Edmonds, to a – I believe it was a groin injury. Um, so they don't know how long he's going to be out for, but that's not good for them, um, especially as they're currently reeling. Next one is Jerry Judy, and this already goes on top of what is a disappointing season for the Broncos and Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy. Uh, he tweaked his ankle in the first quarter. I'm talking like a minute and 10 seconds into the game. And he, I don't even know it. He left the game, didn't come back. I didn't see what it actually the timetable is for his return, but it did not look good. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon, but that's a big loss for them. Not like they're relevant anyway. Um, next one, Juju Smith-Schuster got absolutely cracked by somebody um, on the Jaguars. They wound up picking the flag up, which he was kind of obviously controversial. Um, was he a defenseless receiver? I don't know if he was, but was there head contact? I think there was head contact, and that's yeah. the thing for me. is like if there's head contact, it should be a flag. Yeah. Like it's pretty simple. Regardless if he's defenseless or not, like that doesn't that shouldn't come into the equation. So they picked up the flag um, and it was scary because he kind of froze up too. you saw his arms kind of freeze up and he was limp. Mm -hmm. Not good. You don't like to see that. Um, I think, though, I think he's going to be OK sooner rather than later, which is good. Yeah, I think he's just out of week. Yeah. 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 And obviously, given what happened with Tua, no one is going to let anybody play in any kind of circumstance. I would expect him to be at least out for one week or maybe two. Um, he was yeah. on the Dolphins. He could practice Sunday, right? <laughs> <laughs> Starting on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next guy, um, similar to Zach Ertz. Look, Gerald Everett been around a league. Okay, found a home with Justin Herbert in the Chargers. Was having a great year, uh, and he left the game as well. I don't know if he returned or if he's going to return next week, but both in real life and in fantasy, he was doing great for managers and for Brandon Staley out there. Um, and given the fact that Herbert has no receivers to throw to, Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen has been out all year with a hamstring, which I cannot believe. Like, I understand <laughs> that hamstring is one of the most delicate injuries to rehab, but how are you out this long because of a hamstring? I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense in my brain, but I'm not going to go any further into that. The next and final injury that we're going to talk about, and this one breaks my heart, is Cooper Cup. Obviously, Cooper Cup, everybody loves him. He's great. Staff loves him. Rams love him. Rams freaking need him. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he hurt himself pretty bad in the fourth quarter, which you hate to see. And he was put on IR. So he's gone for at least a month. Um, tough to replace a guy like that. The Rams who are already at the bottom and sliding, they're not going to get any better. Their season might be a wrap, man. It might be over for the Rams. Look forward to next year. See you later. The giants took your spot too bad. So sad. So little week 10 recap coming at you live. A uh, few things we want to touch on because major things going on in the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about first thing, game of the year, Bills and Vikes in Buffalo. You guys saw the ending of that game. If you guys watching at home did not see the ending of that game, Google the highlights and just sit back and relax and be amazed. It was absolutely crazy. Right, Let's go. fast forward to the fourth quarter, okay? Um, Vikings are down seven points. Okay. Bills have the ball. I think it was a minute and change left, right? Vikings only had one timeout. So if you guys don't know what that means, if you don't follow football, having one timeout being that there's four downs means that the bills can run one play and the Vikings have a chance to stop the clock one time. 
which means the Bills still have to try and get that first down. Otherwise, the Vikings can get the ball back. Now, the Vikings uh, wound up scoring a touchdown on the first down play because the Bills tried to get a couple extra yards before they started to kneel this way because they didn't want to kneel and give the Vikings the safety. So they tried to get a couple extra more yards with a QB rush, fumble the ball, Vikings get it in end zone, tie the game, go to OT, and wind up winning with a field goal. So the controversy is that play at the goal line, first first down, first and 10, why don't you just take a safety? Take Who cares? Safety, Who cares? Give, you have a five-point lead, kick the touchback, the Vikings have to go 75 yards, and a field goal still does nothing. So to me – that seems like a no-brainer, but at the same time, like, why are we giving away free points? What do you guys have? Bro, that makes no sense. Like, they no. have to score. they got to go 75 yards. They have to score a tutty. They can't settle for a field goal. Just take the safety. There's, like, no time left. Uh, they maybe had a timeout, the Vikes? Mm -hmm. Where they yeah. The Vikings had one, and the Bills had two. Okay. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? That didn't so, let me, let, me, let me say this. Okay, we do that. We take the safety. Vikings go down the field. They still score the touchdown. Then what? I'm okay with that. Then do yeah. you say okay? We should have ran. You're okay. You're more okay with that than I'm what more happened. Okay with that. Yeah. I'd I'd yeah. rather I'd rather have a team beat me on a 75 yard drive to win the game and score a touchdown than to lose the way they did in overtime. Don't and these these guys in overtime, man. Josh Allen can't escape the the demons of overtime. Wow. And the fourth <laughs> quarter. I mean, he had three turnovers, one fumble on that play, and two picks. One in the end zone. Uh, he lost that game. Yeah, the Vikings pounced yeah. on the opportunity they were giving, given, but Josh Allen did lose them the game. And yeah. to your point, you would rather have that happen. I think you're right, especially if you think about it. The Bills have a really good defense, supposedly, right? Why don't you try and use it one time? They got a couple injuries. I know Jordan, uh, the, the secondary is a little thinned out, but at the same time, you're at home in a in a game versus one of the top teams in the nfl you have your home crowd all riled up I mean, yeah you know, man crazy buffalo is i say kick the ball let them let them try to score at that point right so the thing would have had to go right for the bikes for them to win yeah yeah with the clock against them too you're under two minutes like you said one time out yeah i i i give up the safety and kick the ball away we should be coaching in the nfl <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way to the, give, it, give us a contract baby come on i don't get it so, I mean, on the other side of that, let's look at this real quick. Minnesota Vikings, 8-1 and one, with the Eagles lost, are now tied with them in the NFC for best record and that number one seed, although I believe the Eagles might hold the tiebreaker because they beat them already. However, record-wise, they are identical. Um, the Vikings aren't going anywhere, man. They had one hiccup in week two. They lost to the Eagles, which you might not even call it a hiccup because the Eagles turned out to be one of the best teams in the whole league. But the Vikings are here to stay. Um, and they are definitely going to challenge the Eagles if they get that rematch in the playoffs. That is for sure. I like what I'm seeing. And the, the thing that I really enjoy about this Vikings team is that Kirk Cousins did not play well the entire game. The first half, he was absolute dog water. Like typical Kirk Cousins, what the hell are you doing, bro? And the fact that they were able to push all of that garbage aside at halftime, and Kirk was especially able to come out and make plays when he needed to in the second half, I mean, it's really big, man. And obviously, they have a little magic. You saw that catch that Jefferson had on fourth and 18. I mean, the probability of them even converting on a straight run up the middle or anything is minimal. And then you add the percentages when that ball was thrown and how he had to catch it. Absolutely absurd. Uh, one, I think he is one of, if not the best wide receivers in the game. Obviously, the other one is on the other side, Stefan Diggs. 
they're both really good at a lot of different things. Um, and that was a treat to watch on Sunday. So like I said, if you didn't see it, go watch the highlights and you can thank me later. Next game we're going to talk about, not so much the game, but more so the team. Okay, the Miami Dolphins absolutely rolled over the Browns at home this past weekend. Uh, and with the Bills, two losses in a row, the Dolphins are atop the AFC East all by themselves with a record of 7-3. and three. Now, we have talked about it before, and I'll say it one more time here. The, uh, the Dolphins are an offense that can easily put up 30 points. I mean, I'm talking with ease. Like, it does not look hard at all any given week. So, Dolphins have one of the most explosive offenses. They have a good defense. They have a good quarterback. Can they make noise in the playoffs? Yes, I think so. In my eyes right now, before I hand this off to you guys, I might have Tua as the MVP of the league. Um, just because, obviously, it's kind of like when you're talking about this race in season, it's what have you done for me recently. You look at the other MVP candidates. I have four. I got Mahomes. I got Allen. Okay, I got Hertz. And who's the fourth? Tua. And Tua. That's my fourth. <laughs> the guy we're talking wow. about. <laughs> okay. That's my fourth. Yeah. Little, little, little hiccup. So two is the fourth quarterback. And two of them are sliding. Allen has lost two in a row. Hertz just lost on Monday night. Mahomes still looks good. So I can understand how people are going to give him the MVP at this point. But I like Tua because if you look at the record when he plays, he's undefeated. The Dolphins are undefeated. They've beaten Very good cool. teams. They're a good program. All right. Do not sleep. I got a little juiced up on them. Might have taken a futures bet plus 1600 to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I might have. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. And I love it. Here we go. Here so we go. I like Tua for MVP. What do you think, Deej? Who do you have for MVP right now? I mean, Matt, he's the yeah. dude. I, you know, I respect Tua. Uh, he is doing good things. He's leading them. Uh, and just like you said, when he plays, he's undefeated. So obviously, he's a difference maker there. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't see them going far in the playoffs. There's something about them. I don't know. Okay. I, don't know where I stand on it, but would be cool to see. Wouldn't well, they do have a, they have a great run game, which is a problem yeah. in the playoffs. That thing we yeah. talk about, it travels. So they do have definitely a good run game. Cobell, who do you have for MVP right now? I'm going to be just like Derek. I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to go with Tua. Um, I think he's got to be in everybody's top three, regardless of who you support, if you like him or don't like him. I mean, the way he played, you know, the way the Dolphins are when he is on the field is just a completely different animal. Again, I yeah. think you can take a handful of quarterbacks and throw them into the system and they'll probably still get the same job or a similar job done. Um, but yeah, I, I would go probably Patty Mahomes too. And then Josh Allen, you know, he probably was in three, but now you can argue with, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's sliding out of the top three right now, but who knows really how bad that elbow is, man, with that, uh, MCL, UCL injury. So, yeah, he's literally crazy. Okay. Next game and final game, uh, hometown team. Well, for me, New York giants taking care of business against the Houston Texans. Uh, look, Texans are not a good team, so this is not any kind of telling victory, but Giants, again, did what they had to do at home. Looked like a solid ball club, convincing win. Um, Saquon was nice. Daniel Jones was nice. Uh, Slayton was nice. So they're getting contributions from other guys. Seven and two, second best record in the NFC, third best record in the NFL. Uh, I love this team. Not going away. We are here, baby. So stay tuned. All right. Week 11 of the NFL. I can't believe it's week 11 already. This is crazy. Uh, it's going by a little bit too quickly for my liking. Always. Just always a little fun. bit. 
Slow oh, down. It's, it's crazy. So Ugh. week 11, first game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Thursday night game because I think it's a little bit intriguing. Uh, we got Titans and Packers in Green Bay. Green Bay is currently favored as a three-point fave. And I got to be honest with you, I love Green Bay. I do for a couple reasons. A couple reasons. Number one, I like Aaron Rodgers at home. And number two, simply put, I hate Ryan Tannehill. So give me the pack minus three at home. It will be on my card. That's an official play. Kobe, what do you got for me? I'm right along with you, brother. There's something about Aaron Rodgers in the cold at Lambeau. As a guy who lives in Nashville, I do root for the Titans, but I think that uh, this is a letdown spot for them. I think traveling into a hostile Lambeau environment, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers and the boys and the crisp uniforms that they will put out on Thursday Night Football this week uh, will win by more than a field goal. It'll be on my card as well, for sure. Deej, go ahead. Go ahead. We're talking about the Packers. The Washington yeah, Packers, I know. What I know. What? I know. Is it a prank? Bro, it's tits plus three, 100%. And I like the under. I don't know what the over-under is, but I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, just because I feel like the Titans are just going to run the ball, run the clock, and then Aaron Rodgers stinks. Uh, so the under <laughs> and tits plus three. I think that's so easy. I have no idea why you guys are on minus three. Anyways. <laughs> Moving on to the next game. Moving on to the next game. Not – not a very intriguing matchup in terms of playoff implications, but if you're looking for an exciting one and a competitive one, I think you got one here in Atlanta. Bears and Falcons. Falcons minus three favorites as it stands today. Um, I'm not sure which side I lean on. Obviously, Justin Fields and the Chicago offense is firing on all cylinders, and that man is running like crazy all across the league. Um, they're putting up points, which is good to see for them. And the future is bright, but I don't know if they're going to win this game. Uh, my gut leans over again. I might take a bears over one more time before I just blacklist that play for the rest of the year. I don't hate that. I kind of like no, it. It is. It is the highest total too. So Bro, it's 50. They, they expect points. I know. Yeah. Makes you want to take the under. So I think you got to take the over. Yeah. yeah. This, this also feels like a game where one of these teams can be up by three scores and end up losing the game. Yeah, like, I definitely. feel like one of these offenses in the second half will just take off, and that'll be it. Like, the Bears could be up, you know, 24 to 3, and they'll lose 28 or whatever the math ends up, 31 to 24. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could see that, too. Just pay attention to that one, because uh, I think it's going to be exciting. So next game we can talk about, um, Cowboys and Vikings. Okay, Cowboys going into Minnesota, which, by the way, I will say one thing about Minnesota for their remaining schedule. I did look into this. Of the teams that they play uh, that have a winning record, they play them at home. Okay, so Vikings, I thought, were a different team on the road and at home. Given that they have to play all these tough opponents at home, I think that gives them an edge in every single game because that crowd gets rocking. And the fact that they just beat the Bills the way that they did, that place is going to be going absolutely crazy when they play this week. So it's going to be a good game. Uh, With that being said, I'm leaning Cowboys cover. Uh, Right now, they're favored as one point favorites to win the game so i don't know if i like that line because i'm not sure if they're going to win but if you can get them if the line swings back the other way and get them as underdogs i like them as underdogs otherwise for me it's a no touch because cowboys obviously coming off a loss to the packers which the packers again not a good program cowboys definitely should have won that game they were up by two scores in late in the game and i love to see them crumble so i'm not mad 
but they're a good team looking for a bounce back. Um, and the Vikings obviously are on that high after the bills. It's a possible spot where they come out flat might be a no touch for me. Either way, this is a good matchup between two heavyweight contenders in the NFC. Old spread minus three Vikes. Nah. Wow. You're cri- This, it makes zero sense. Zero yeah. sense. The Vikings arguably just beat a top three team in the NFL. They're going home to face the Cowboys who are, we don't even really know who they are. And the Cowboys right. just come up in the ugly loss and their favorite in Minnesota minus one will be the easiest bet. I'm not even saying of the week. I'm saying of the entire season. Cowboys take the minus six and a half minus nine and a half. I, I think wow. this game is there's just wow. there's no way Vegas is going to let free money happen with Vikings plus one. I mean, that looks like the easiest line I'm of all time. With the crab. I don't care. Eight, eight, and, eight and one overall, four and oh at home, and you're giving points away to the Cowboys. Mm-mm. Not buying it. Fair points. Fair mm-hmm. points. That's why I'm staying away. Next game. Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, the AFC West has been a disappointment, not going to lie. A lot of hype around the quarterbacks in this division. Uh, we thought it was going to be a a very, very competitive division with good teams, you know, not not mediocre subpar teams competing like we have the NFC East usually. Uh, but I'm talking good teams with 9, 10, 11 wins competing for this division. And as it turns out, it's just the Chiefs. Raiders are ass. Chargers are not good. Don't look like they're getting any better anytime soon. And the Broncos, well, we already know about the Broncos. Just one thing, one note I want to say about this whole division before I hand it off to you, Derek, about this game. Josh McDaniels and the Raiders are, they have to be one of the greatest case studies in a two year span that I've ever seen in the NFL. Okay. You go from nine and seven making the playoffs with all of the coaching turmoil that they went through last year. They still had a successful year. You add Devonte Adams, arguably one of the best receivers in the game. <clears throat> and you are just so bad. Noticeably worse from last year. Okay. Can't score points. Can't beat bad teams at your home field. I don't know what's going on with them, but they are a dumpster fire. And Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay was the worst thing for Devontae Adams. It was the worst thing for Aaron Rodgers. And it's looking like it was the worst thing for the Raiders. So, Deej, what do you have on this dog division matchup? Uh, Not a dog division. Anyways, (laughs) these Chargers, minus six and a half. I, I don't know. I never liked the spread against the Chargers because I feel like they somehow always play as good. Division game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Herb kind of wakes up this game. I do like the over 50. I yeah. think it'll be a semi-shootout. Uh, both teams, well, definitely the Chiefs are going to score a lot. And then I can see the Chargers, you know, putting up three scores. kind of Being competitive, really yeah. yeah. Uh, don't really like the spread minus six and a half for the Chiefs. Um I don't know. I think this is more of an over game, more of a shootout type deal. I think Chiefs obviously win, but uh, it'll be a little closer than six and a half. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, hopefully it's an enter- entertaining game, Sunday night football mm-hmm. in L.A. Uh, looking forward to it. Last matchup before we wrap this episode up, fellas. We have 49ers and Cardinals in Mexico City. Okay, so mm-hmm. run up on your Spanish. All right. We got Arizona coming in as the technical home team. They are eight point dogs to San Francisco. Now, San Fran, good program. A lot of skill players, a lot of talent on offense. Great defense. Kyler Murray. We hate him. We always fade him. However, uh, for whatever reason, I don't feel comfortable with that number. So I'm not going to touch it. 
um, and I'm not going to pick this game at all. However, uh, if the Cardinals can win this game, I'll tell you how they're going to do it. I think it's going to be obviously establishing the run first and foremost with James Conner early in the game, getting Hopkins involved quickly, then also running options for Kyler Murray to do his thing with his legs. Because we see what Justin Fields is doing. Let Kyler do what he does, what he's actually good at, and let him run a little bit more. Um, given that you lost Ertz, he doesn't have many targets to throw to. Give him some more runs, some more read options, some more QB design runs. I think that's how they can take down the Niners. And if they can, that would make this division that much closer because right now you can kind of feel like the 49ers are pulling away from everyone else. The Seahawks are there, even though they just lost to the Bucs. Um, it just kind of feels like the 49ers are ready to take away uh, and take off with this division. So if the Cardinals can pull this upset off, that would be good for the for them and the rest of the division. Love Niners spread and love the under. Yep. Uh, Warzone 2 comes out this weekend. It drops on uh, Thursday night, Friday oh, morning. No uh, so Kyler probably won't sleep from Thursday night until the game. Um, and I think he gets a little bit of extra time. No, they're probably in the same time zone. So, uh, yeah, love minus eight, probably all minus 13 and a half. I think he probably will bring the PlayStation 5 into the locker room <laughs> to play. So I, I really think this is a blowout again. Yep. You got, I'm not you, gotta, lie. you got you got to fade him on Call of Duty weekends. It's incredible. Right. This guy sucks when a new COD drops. I was going to say I was like this kid is talking about Call of Duty. I was like, do you have a take on this Niners <laughs> Niners game right now? I was like what's going oh, on? Man. But now it all makes sense and I'm in. That kid is going to be tied up on a TV instead. <laughs> but they put in his contract that he has to study. They said, "Sir, you can't play COD all night. You have to study otherwise we're not going to pay you." This is exactly why they put that in there. God bless that kid. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's going to do it. Episode 12 of Talking Balls. We are done. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we give you guys a lot of winners, and hopefully, we get some great, great things to talk about in the NFL. College bas basketball also did start. Ooh, okay. Tonight, Duke, KU. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, early in the season, there's not a whole lot going on, but you get your marquee matchups here and there. But as we get into November, December, and obviously into March, we're going to be talking about that sport a lot because Very I great. personally love it. Yeah. Um, so that's going to do it. We're signing off from the sack. I'm your host, Connor, and co-host Deej and Kobe. Thank you.